I'll start our cool little intro. <laughs> you should have some awesome sound effects. Yeah, we'll, oh. we'll work on a on an <laughs> intro like some sort of like news. The dun, 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 <laughs> something cool. All right. <laughs> All right, I'll just turn that off. Welcome everybody to another episode of our Workflow Wednesday. Uh, this this week's pretty cool. I'm I'm really excited for this one because it's there's the endless possibilities of this side of of the industry. Uh, we're joined by um, John. I'm I'm sorry. How do you pronounce your last name? Nieras or Nieras. Spanish? Just Nieras. Nieras, awesome. You got to do the R's. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Never you. Nieras, uh, <laughs> creative director at Perfect Infinitives. Um, yes. I feel like there's there's a little more to to it than just that. So um, for people who don't already know, go ahead and give yourself a little introduction and some background in what you what you do. Well, my name is John Nieras. My, um, my initial background is in visual effects and design. But uh, lately, I moved to more in the creative development, you know, research and development space. So I created a company called Perfect Infinitives, which is basically dedicated to like a laboratory of some sort to design um, basically anything that's creative visually and taking, you know, technologies that exist today and try to twist them into something that never has done been done before, basically. So creating workflows for it. Oh, neat. Okay. And so just before the stream, we were, we were kind of talking about a few things um, in particular, how um, you were talking about controlling the like robot arms and things inside of Maya. Um, mm -hmm. uh, good, uh, give us a little bit more, like how did that come about? Where did, where did that start <laughs> from and how did you get so deep into that? So there was a studio that I worked with here in Los Angeles who decided to just buy a robot just because the thing is we're trying to find a way to have a studio in which no one has ever done before, or basically a tabletop studio in which people want to have in the future. So he decided to just buy a robot because that's one thing that all studios have is an industrial robot in their studio. So um, my task was to try to find software to control it. Because the thing is, there is no such thing as anyone who could just buy these robots and just play with it. Hmm. They're just big paperweights, right? In the end, <laughs> it's just like, okay, how can we control it? So um, I went around, talked to a lot of people out there and just say, hey, is there any way you can control these robots? Um, one year down the road of me exploring and writing code here and there is um, the guys from Autodesk, Autodesk oh. Labs. Mm -hmm decided to make a plugin for Maya called Mimic for Maya. So if you guys want to check it out, mm -hmm. mimicformaya.com. So what it is that it would allow you to animate an industrial robot. So you animate a robot in Maya and send it to, a, to your robot controller and the controller would just do exactly what you just did. So from, there, from that point, we started shooting commercials. And it's like, okay, what can we do with this robot that no one else can do? And uh, my, my point is, um, a lot of people do have these robots, like the high-end film industry, okay. um, like Mr. Moco, uh, Motorized Precision. They have some awesome robots and some awesome software that they have controlled with. But the thing is, it's expensive, sure. right? 
And the thing is for these kind of robots is that you need a lot of infrastructure, a lot of money in order to get into it. Mm-hmm. And what Mimic, Mimic for Maya allowed people to do is you can buy your own robot, create something in Maya for a really cheap price. Uh-oh. Yeah. Oh, I had a bit of a blip there. Could you say that again? I'm not sure that that went out. Yeah. Oh. My screen froze too. <laughs> you, can, you can buy a robot and then what? <laughs> you can buy a robot for a very cheap price and then okay. you can control these robots basically. I see. Um, and the nice thing about it is that you don't need some proprietary piece of software because all you need now is Maya. Nice. Nice. And uh, the nice thing about Mimic for Maya is that the plugin is for free. Oh, that's yeah, that's definitely really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And most any studio working in visual effects already is using Maya anyways. So yeah. Oh, cool. Right on. So yeah. what what I suppose what can this do that um I suppose just throwing more people at the problem couldn't solve? Did that come out right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's not, it's not about that. It's just about precision, right? Oh, so, okay. for example, if you're doing something in high speed or if you want to take a shot of like a very intricate piece of equipment or like a, a watch, right? You, you want to do like those Apple Watch commercials mm. and you really want to get really into this really deep framing. The hard part of that is that if you have a follow focus, guys, like, okay, let me try to get that frame. Okay, now do that exact same thing for the next shot. Oh um, wow! Can't do that. So if yeah. you do this with a with a robot, it's like you do you exactly have the same shot in mm-hmm. exactly the same way again and again and again. So the oh. the error rate is pretty much like it's gone. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Oh, sorry. Oh, ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> uh, so I, I've I've seen I think I've seen something similar to this in. Um, so Corridor Digital has like this VFX re- artist reacts thing, and they'll—I um, can't remember the term that they use, but it—it's—I it, think it's—it's got to be similar to what you're talking about. It has, they've got the camera on; it looks like an industrial <laughs> robot arm, and they'll—they'll they'll film a scene like a clean plate with a with a track, and then and then they'll do it again with people in the way and things like yeah. that over and over. And it's like and and so that's kind of what this is for. Yeah, you could do multiple passes. Um, so that's another workflow that you can do multiple passes. Another workflow you can do is that you can do um, like stop motion. You know, another workflow you can do is that you can have multiple robots do some weird things at the exact same time. There's a there's a lot of multiple workflows that you can do with these kind of robots because the thing is, it's just like now you're freeing yourself to be creative, mm-hmm. but you can actually see this before actually doing it on set you know it's like all these multiple you know personalities like okay i need a lighting scene okay so i could create a lighting scene in maya or in uh in my studio and then after that have multiple different passes so like oh the client probably might want white but i need to have the same move so Mm -hmm. a robot can do the same thing same move you know same focus same yeah, so you have these multiple plates with, you know, like how they did multiplicity back in the day, mm-hmm. um, that movie. So same mm-hmm. thing, but it's so accessible that you can do this with Maya. And wow. um, for me, it's like the nice thing about doing this kind of workflow is that I can have multiple artists working in the background. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's like, which one has the best camera move? And I could just pick one. And they're from all over the world, right? They don't have to mm-hmm. be in the same space, but they could be all over the world and just say, oh, that's an 
awesome camera move. Can you send that to me via email? Oh yeah, here you go. Bam. Mm -hmm. wow. Play that move with my robot and call it done. Yeah. And if you need to make a change, it's a simple, yeah, just a couple of curves, and now you have a slightly different thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I neat. saw one of the examples you had on uh, the mimic from Iazite was one arm controlling a camera, another arm holding like a miniature yes. um, spaceship. I think yeah. it was the Millennium Falcon, and so like that can be doing a physical miniature doing movements and a camera controlling movement around that too, and. Think oh. about that together later, and yeah, there's so many things you could do with this. Wow! Yeah, so with Millennium Falcons or like a spaceship scene or anything yeah. that you can think of, I mean, you can have like a bunch of these multiple robots as if you're literally playing with a toy, right? It's like, right. oh, look at this! Oh, we could do this. And then the nice thing about that, uh, what I've done before is that I actually use Unreal to do a lot of my workflows because hand animating these things can be a little time consuming right mm -hmm. uh, for animators out there it's like well what is the fastest way to animate something oh use your hand you know yeah. you could do this or you can move this and literally what i did one time is that i put a vibe tracker on my hand and just mm -hmm. moved it around and yeah. send that same information to a robot and the robot actually did what my natural movements were oh wow That's so cool and that to, to people, it's like, oh, my gosh, we just did a move in two seconds. You know, that would have taken animator like a good two hours. Yeah. So it could be a hand move a camera. You could do a hand move a, a play set and everything like that. So for people who are doing miniatures or what in the industry is like the bigatures, you know, like <laughs> miniatures like are like, scale stuff. yeah, 20 yeah. feet big and everything like that. You <laughs> can actually control this with a robot. Wow. Um, and then using Unreal to do your lighting, to do your backgrounds. And like I said, with, with Unreal is that I could send my robot's position into Unreal. Mm -hmm. And then therefore, I don't need a lot of these trackers. Because right. now, the robot knows where it is in world space. You know, mm -hmm. Because a robot can move 20 degrees, and then that 20 degrees you know, by Cartesian um, plays, basically, it's the same thing. It's 20 mm -hmm. degrees on rotation. Yeah. Wow. That is super cool. Um, huh. Is it, so is this mostly just for, I noticed a lot of like the, the images and stuff are, are kind of for those big giant or they look giant industrial robots. Like the, I keep coming back to the image of um, like those, those big yellow arms you see putting cars together. Yeah. Is, does this apply to other sorts of things too? Like, could we get it smaller or. Oh yeah. There's a bunch of robots out there. Oh, um, most of the robots that uh, one of the ro well, the first robot I use is a basically a three foot reach arm. So this is as high as like up to my waist, that kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, and there's a, other robots like um, Universal Robots that literally is just the size of your desk. You know, so wow. they come in multiple different sizes. You know, if you the bigger you go, of course, the the bigger the shot you get, or the smaller mm -hmm. you go, you could do miniatures. Sure, um, sure. So yeah, I mean, a lot of the people out there with robots tend to go for the bigger ones just because like, hey, it's not just a tabletop I could do. I could actually use it for, you know, shoots. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot of possibilities. But yes, you can go for a robot that's like this small or there you go, that's this small. And then to a point to like the size of a refrigerator. Wow. Wow. And uh, this is the funny part is that when you look at 
samples of motion control. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, when they think of motion control, is that let's just do high speed cameras. They would mm-hmm. literally put a, like a high speed camera underneath this thing because a robot can actually move faster than a human. Sure. And exactly the same way, right? Right. And that's why a lot of the samples you see out there are like just with phantom cameras. What mm. I try to, to explain to people is that these are not just robots that can do very fast moves, but very accurate and very smooth. Mm-hmm. So think of it as the ultimate Steadicam guy. Yeah. They can move around very smoothly. Um, so it doesn't have to be fast. Yeah. That's pretty cool. What's what's your favorite so far? It feels like this is still fairly somewhat new. So what's your favorite application of this so far? So far is that I've done a couple shoots in which um, I did a commercial one time in which before COVID that was, right? It took about 40 people in one room to to do a shoot, right? To do a simple commercial shoot. Mm-hmm. So you have your cameraman, you have your AC, you have your DP, you have basically there's about 10 people around a camera, like one simple camera. It's like I have mm-hmm. a guy that literally his job was to press record. And that's his job was just to press record. The other guy's just doing the focus. <laughs> okay. And it's just like, oh my gosh. And then um, if we want to move our camera from one location to the other location, that would take another 20 to 30 minutes. We mm-hmm. had to dismantle the camera, put it in a location, then you know assemble it again. It just took forever. So my favorite application to this is basically think of it as the robot can always stay in the one place. Okay. Like I could I could move it in any way I want. It could be your ultimate dolly guy. It could be your ultimate steady cam. So we don't have to take this camera out from a tripod to something. So it can be a steady cam. It could be a a dolly it could be a slider so it's this application of an all-in-one use to say it's like a swiss army knife of a camera gear yeah so basically we did a a commercial that usually you max about about 15 shots per day Mm -hmm. because you have to take out the camera stuff like that um to to doubling that to 30 shots in one day just because everything was streamlined around a robot that's so cool Imagine too, it takes less people. Like you were saying, there's one guy to push record, one guy to focus, and so like the the robot arm can just handle all of that kind of together, right? You just Pretty much, it. it's all automated. Yeah. So the yeah. focus is automated. Uh, the moves are automated. Um, the only thing that's not automated, of course, are the actors, right? Sure. Right. <laughs> but the nice thing about this one, another thing that I found is that, especially with if you're dealing with um, kids commercials, right, mm-hmm. is that when a kid is acting and you have like 30 people looking at him or her, they get a little scared. Sure, yeah. And like, oh my gosh, what's going on? But if all of us are away in another room and just have a robot with that kid, they tend to be a, a little more natural. And wow. it's not just a kid that we just found out. Like we found out with adults too. Is mm-hmm. that there's no 30 people that's trying to judge him or her in their acting. Right. It's not just a robot. It's not just, you know, it's not just a robot. It's just... Yeah doing all the moves and the nice thing is that if they're like acting and moving at the same time the problem is with humans also and this is just going back you know in history is that when you're trying to do gestures when you're trying to talk to someone you tend to look at someone's eye and just like okay i'm gonna wait for you now i'm gonna wait for you i'm gonna wait for you i'm gonna wait for you Mm. so when you have a cameraman and an actor they're kind of waiting for each other yeah 
But if a robot always does the same thing, it doesn't have to wait. So the actor knows when to move, when to act, because that robot always does the same thing again and again and again. Hmm. Nice. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, everyone sees us, like, okay, okay. It, it's it's yeah. really neat. It's, um, well, because like, it, it was kind of mind-blowing too, because to, like, I was kind of locked up on, on just the camera part. But you'd also mentioned like, you could attach like a miniature to this and like, uh, and then you can have your own little natural movements and things like that. And I'm just thinking of, uh, I don't know. I just kind of got a little overloaded with some of the <laughs> ideas. <laughs> um, I know also you, you kind of, um, I saw a mention of real time visual effects uh, yes. as part of your background. And uh, so what, what is that exactly? I kind of have, I might have my own kind of preconception, but just what do you mean by that? So one of the biggest things that I want to do since I started this whole visual effects in the visual effects industry is to kill green screens forever. <laughs> okay. That's one thing is wow. like, I swear, every time, every time I get a shot from a studio, I was like, okay, great. I got to turn on my computer, look at the green screen. And it's just like, everything is uneven and I have to roto things out. It just takes forever and ever and ever. So one of the things that, of course, what a lot of people are trying to do today is that the whole Mandalorian setup, right? right? You have the big LED screen in the background. So therefore, all the shots that you have is pretty much in camera now. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. a nice thing. To me, that's almost real-time visual effects. The other thing that people don't realize, too, like uh, what Unreal is trying to do, like destruction, like things breaking apart, like uh, when you throw a bowling ball to a building, it blows up. So that's one thing that uh, Unreal is trying to do more often is that how can we get lighting, physicality, or anything that's um, destruction, like a lot of these big Marvel movies, we want to see things blow up. Sure. How can we actually do that in screen and at the same time in physical sets so actors can actually see what they're actually acting from mm -hmm. or sure. acting with? So, I mean, that's, that's, that's actually happening right now already, but... It's still in its infancy stages. So right mm. now, what the Mandalorian is doing, like what you see with the shows, you notice that the background is always like a a scene, right? So nothing blows up yet, yeah. yada, 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 except for the, the special scenes that, you know, when people actually have to roto stuff again. Sure. But the, the some of those core scenes are pretty much like, let's just get everything in camera. Sure. Let's <laughs> just... Let's just put a big LED screen with a background set right there, and then yeah. move things around. It, it seems it seems at this point it's it's almost a like digital matte painting, right? Yes. Like, yeah. Uh, you know the far distant stuff where it's just like somebody actually watercolored that together. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. To think that to think that they'll have like an entire like physically simulated scene in the background like that could be pretty cool. I think it'll be. Mm -hmm. It's getting there. I mean, the thing is, like right now, Unreal is pushing the, the boundaries to say. Sure. Um, but the thing is, like, when you're trying to do, like, destruction, like things blowing up, like a car mm -hmm. flipping, those are all physical elements, not just physical elements, but, you know, like um, simulation in mm -hmm. a computer. And if mm -hmm. you think about a computer, that's trying to simulate destruction at the same time, trying to simulate the scene and the winds, the, the trees moving back and forth. That's a lot of polygons that it has to render. Yeah. So that's just right now. It just takes forever to do that. It's, it's not in, in its prime time state yet. Right. Okay. You know, 
because you're, you know on these big LED screens, you're thinking about like close to 16,000 pixels that you're trying to push. And if you're doing simulations like wind moving and dust yeah. storms and you know something blows up or whatever, it's just you're gonna lose your frame rate. Like yeah, from 24 to like 10 to five, it's like oh, what happened to the background? Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> Well, I think that's where another place that this robotic arm comes in to be very useful is that you can then animate that for the filming on the Unreal set that day. And then if you have some post-production going on to add in those visual effects on top of the screen, you have that exact animated camera movement in Maya. So you can then do some explosions or whatever, and the camera's in the right spot already. Yes, and you just oh. saved yourself a lot of time um, trying to match perspectives and camera stuff because the camera. I'm assuming um, I know in Unreal you can match the physical camera to the Unreal camera. Yes. I'm pretty sure you can do the same thing in Maya. Yes, so the lens effects and everything are all built in. Um, so yeah, the I can see where that this arm would be a good middle ground for some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, in addition to all the other cool things you can do with it. <laughs> yeah. No, well, the, the, the nice thing about these robot arms with Unreal is that, like you said, I can literally send that information to Maya in an instant. Mm -hmm. um, also, using uh, Unreal's live link to say, so you can literally send motion control data from Unreal to Maya mm -hmm. into your robot back again in real time. Yeah. Oh. So, I mean, the, the things that we're trying to do right now is that what, what I wanted to do is basically usually using like a hand stick and moving that mm. back and forth and then sending that information to Maya and that Maya will send that information to Unreal. Mm -hmm. And then you do exactly what you just are doing. So if I'm at home and I kind of want to do my, my uh, camera move to say, but I, I'm like halfway around the world and the set and whatever, blah, 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 is here in L.A., at least yeah. I can grab a Vive puck at home, send that information to Maya that my information will send to Unreal in their studio, and the yeah. robot will exactly do what I just did at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Uh, and I feel like I feel like as much as as the you know the COVID thing has kind of ruined life for a lot of people, <laughs> especially especially in the film industry, it 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 really hurt. I feel like it really lit a fire on um, just a lot of these alternatives. Like, yes. like you were saying, I could be halfway around the world and I can still control the camera someplace in a warehouse in Hollywood somewhere. And, and on top of that, you've got, uh, you could have like a, some actor in their garage with like a green screen volume and they can be inserted into a video and it's all, the the remote possibilities are are have just gotten so expansive it's so oh, cool. yeah it's it's so true i mean to say <laughs> in a way i would i'd say that covid-19 has a silver lining to to say in into mm -hmm. into this whole bit i mean as much as it kind of killed the industry for a short amount of time in a way at the same time, it brought out a lot of this cool technology that people have been wanting to use ever since then. Yeah. Volume capture is another one thing that, you know, a lot of industries had volume captures, but, you know, it's like, why do we really need a volume capture? We could just have an actor right now. Mm -hmm. With COVID-19, it's like, 
I can't have an actor next to this actress more than six feet away. So how can they act at the same room? Right. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. We can do a volume capture. There you go. Put that person on <laughs> volume capture. It's kind of like the fly. Remember like the fly? They could actually. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So those, those kind of things, it, it pushed That's a so lot cool. of the boundaries. Uh, yeah. The whole robotics in, in my end, it's just like all of a sudden I, I'm getting phone calls left and right saying, how soon can we get a robot in our studio? <laughs> wow, that's they cool. Have to make it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't have just a warehouse of them sitting around in ah, the showroom. Darn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I saw recently the, the, was it the video game awards that just happened. I think it was. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. A, a behind the scenes shot of like this, the sound stages they used. And they had these different um, fenced off areas for different positions. So like this area is for the like the DP or whatever, and this area is for whatever. And if they had used a, an arm like this, you could have an area for your camera operator. He sits in this area separated from everybody else. The camera's, you know, on the other side of the, the sound stage, but can still control everything, make whatever adjustments they need to do, and still stay safe. Like it's yeah. Yeah, so there are um there are a lot of broadcast applications that um, that's another part of um, perfect infinitives that I do a lot of live events. Mm -hmm. um, so corporate live events down to like concerts and everything. So there are toys already in which you can control everything with a joystick and everything like mm -hmm. that. Oh, wow. But one thing that a lot of these cameras don't have yet is a articulated arm. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. things that you can move in and out and moving things around in a, you know, a lot of these cameras are pretty static. It could, it could pan, it could tilt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. So it's like, all right, add a, a motion control arm onto that thing. Now yeah. you just have not just like a, a robot that can actually do a lot of these things. Now you can have a robot that, that is articulated like, like an arm. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Much better camera movements than just, all right, this is our camera that's going to pan left or right. That's all this yes. camera does. And then if you want a close shot, you gotta pan, you gotta switch to this camera. Now we can have it move wherever, pan wherever. Yeah. Yeah. That is really neat. Okay. Now you gotta now you gotta combine the arm with like the the spot dog robot dog from <laughs> you know boxing dynamics. <laughs> and then it can just go it can go all over the place anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I've I've had some thoughts about uh, the Boston Dynamics dog. Um yeah. One of the main things that I wanted to do, to do with a spot a long time ago was um, if you ever have you guys ever been to a concert, like a live concert before COVID-19? Yeah. Is that do you ever wonder how they actually created those stages? That's that's a lot Ooh. of man hours worth of work. Yeah, sure. um, one of the things I wanted to do for a robot dog is to run cables. Hey. From one section to the other to the other side of the, the section. Um, when we create stages, it's funny because we would run like cat six wire and also mm -hmm. like fiber wire. And this, this is not just like from the stage all the way to the control station. We have to go to the other side, which is like five miles long, right? <laughs> yeah, or right. to a broadcast truck. That's like another 10 miles. Like, okay. And imagine a person's like, all right, get your bike and just ride all the way yeah. down there. You're right. Like a robot dog. It's like, okay, here you go. Hook it up and move. All right. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Wow. I'm curious too. So what are some of the applications that that um mimic for Maya doesn't work? What applications? Huh. 
I don't know. I mean, I think the right now is real time. Okay. Right now, it's pretty much still like I create a move, and then move take that move and put it into a robot. We are working mm-hmm. on something much more real time than that right now. But at at the current iteration as of today, basically you create a move in Maya offline, mm-hmm. kind of like an offline online edit. Okay. You do it offline, send it to the robot, and the robot will exactly do what you just did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And is that a limitation of the robot just not being developed to be used in real time? That's true. Yeah. I mean, um, Robots, especially in factories, because we are taking something from a factory, like a car factory, and to something that you want to do something out of natural movements, the ro- robots weren't designed to do that. Mm-hmm. They weren't designed to do full real-time hand articulation into a robotic servo, you know, that sure. does all that. It's, it's a little too complicated, but yeah. it can do it. I broke yeah. a few robots already in which I tried to do <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's cool. Huh. Right on. Hmm. Well, I feel like it's one of those things. It, it wasn't designed to do that because no one had ever wanted to do that. And there were well, there were people. There were yeah. people. Sorry. Yeah, there were people doing that, but the technology wasn't there yet. Yeah. And now that there's a gonna be a much bigger demand just due to the push towards virtual production or oh, yeah. actual production with um, using these other technologies that are coming out. Um, there's going to be a much bigger demand for, hey, we want this arm, but we want to use this arm like with a joystick and run it real time. Yes. I'm sure all this stuff will come out pretty quick. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, I mean, just... Unreal wasn't designed to do most of the stuff it does right now. But <laughs> that didn't stop people from trying it. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So are there different arms then for different, or is it all just kind of the same robot? No, there's there's a couple different arms. Like, um, But most of the arms that you see that's popular are the six-axis arms. Okay. Basically, it's the same size, or basically it's just how your hand moves, right? It has right. six axes. Um, you know, your wrist, your, your fingers, and everything like that. So yeah, so basically... The way your whole arm works right. is mm-hmm. uh, a six-axis arm robot. But uh, right. yeah, that's the most, let's just say, accessible today. Yeah, you can and buy so, one on eBay right now for five grand. So oh, that's all. <laughs> that's not that, I would have thought, considering the industrial application of it, I would have would have thought it'd be more expensive. Five grand that sh- you dropped that on a camera body, like, yeah. without blinking. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, the small ones, like I don't right? know, like the desktop size ones. Yeah, for yeah. five thousand dollars. You could get a robot. Hey, <laughs> have you, um, with as as this has progressed, um, have the I guess the the people who make these arms are they at all interested in, like, um, I suppose implementing some more changes to that that you guys might need for this sort of thing? Is it is there yeah. a good relationship there? Yeah. So yeah. Um, there's a couple of robots out there. Uh, mainly, Kuka is one of the big um, robot. Uh, factories out there in the world today. And um, they've been looking at the entertainment industry for the longest time. Actually, they're one of the first robots out there that did um, a lot of the cool shots that uh, you probably would see today. Um, You know, that's done in visual effects, like the movie Gravity. They use Kuka robots for that. Oh. Yeah, so Sandra Bullock was actually on uh, on a harness 
and the and robot then, was moving her, and then the other robot is moving an LED screen so you could get real time reflections. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. And so they're, oops, I'm, I'm on their website and it's making chat noises at me. <laughs> look up the, the KUKA robots. And so they're they're kind of interested in, in kind of improving their product for this application. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they've been looking at the entertainment industry for quite a while. Uh, one cool. of the bigger robots out there, too, called Stubly, Stubly Robots. Mm -hmm. um, basically, yeah, they, they kind of perfected a robot uh, meant for cinema that can go really, really fast. Like, literally, wow. this robot can move from six feet in a matter of one second. Wow. <laughs> or less than a second. It's, it's wow. just that fast. Like, whoop, whoop. Yeah. It's crazy. That's cool. <laughs> that is really neat. I'm I'm curious. Where do you see the future of this headed? Like, are we are I imagine production crews are going to get smaller if if the robot can do you know fill a lot of these holes and things. What what else? What other future changes do you see coming from this? Well, basically for broadcasts. Okay. I see a lot of these things in in the broadcast industry and like the live theater industry and everything like Ooh. that too. Um, um, the nice thing is that yes, you can control these robots from a remote section. Okay. Uh, that kind of a thing. Uh, also, for the um, for the film industry, I would say like the whole remote section is that I could be in a separate place right now, and I don't have to be in studio to do a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where I would see all these robots. Like you're slimming down a crew, but at the same time, you are gaining a lot of employment because now a lot of people need to learn how to use these robots. Sure. And right now, there's not a lot of people know how to actually control a robot mm -hmm. so if you know how I'm telling you there is there's going to be a big demand of that yeah. and then they're going to be called the creative roboticists so you <laughs> you know like Ooh, remember like yeah remember back in the days like motion graphics wasn't a thing yet now yeah. it became a thing so right on so learn maya everybody <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah learn maya <laughs> How does um? I guess I, I had a thought, but then I, I kind of lost it there for a second. I'm sorry. Um, I was curious how. So I'm I'm coming from a very limited education on on a lot of this sort of thing. So I'm curious how, um, I guess just how Maya ties in with other products in the in this space to make this happen. Like we've mentioned Unreal and how we can move some of this data from or like the motion data from Maya to Unreal to I guess the the stage. Um I guess why isn't this already in Unreal or or um I'm I don't know how to I, I'm curious, but I don't know how to express the curiosity. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, I would say because of development, right? Okay. And plus accessibility. It's like um not a lot of people have robots. Mm. But everyone has a vibe puck, you know. Sure. So it's all about accessibility and people who are in demand of writing code for it. Okay. I mean, right now it's all experimental, sure. You can play with it, but it is it is still pretty limited to what you can do accessibility wise like okay you know plus uh, a lot of people who are in production they really don't know anything about software coding right mm -hmm. um, so they're they're basically they know they know how to run a camera but to ask them hey can you write a c++ code to to run this uh, to this code to to uh, unreal 
no mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> right. so it's the demand is there but it's not like as big of a demand that you know sort of like what steve jobs would say back in the day right you you would show them and people would come forward to it right? i see yeah. sure so we actually have a question from youtube garrett review uh, Garrett Reviews asks, uh, is your robots modular and are you seeing consumer grade robots being available anytime soon? Robots are modular. Uh, I don't know if you mean about modular as far as like, can you dismantle it so it could be one arm or 20 arms or, mm. you know, different joints. Um, that is not as modular as you may think, but as okay. far as like, creating a track for it. Yes, the track is modular. So you can make a track longer, stuff like that. You can put anything on a robot. So that's modular. So instead of a camera, you could put a light in there or a hmm. rig that you can put a person around it, whatever, you know. Okay, sure. And as far as consumer grade, yeah. I mean, there's there's a couple of consumer grades out there. Um, mm-hmm. Universal Robots is one of the semi-consumer grade robots that you can buy right now. Okay, okay. I know uh, a buddy of mine had um, I can't for the life of me remember what it, what it's called, but he had a little a little bitty robot arm that he called Dexter, I think, and he had he put a little webcam on it and he could control the thing to like zoom into his face and whatnot. And it seems similar, just on a smaller scale. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can do that. I mean, literally, I mean, this is the thing, right? You can actually create your own robot um, on a three D printer. Oh, right. that's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get the servos, which is pretty cheap, like Nemo Motors and everything like that, and just rig it in Maya. Mm-hmm. And then as long as you know how what the post-processor is, like how to control the robot via code, mm-hmm. then it works. Oh, that's cool. Hey, so you could you could kind of dabble in this a little bit at home if, yes. you, if you really wanted to. That's kind of cool. Are there, um, when it comes to the, the mimic for Maya, um, the I guess the, the output, the way that it talks to the arm, is that proprietary at all? Do you need to learn something special there? No. So the way they did it um, with Mimic is that everything is in a in a move like a Cartesian space or something like that, or a okay. Euler space. So did it by degrees, right? So mm-hmm. 20, 30 degrees. But it also depends on the robot's architecture. So KUKA mm-hmm. has their own language, Stubli has their own language. Mm-hmm. So depending on how you create this. All you have to do is know what that language of that robot is. Okay. And then that's how you communicate back and forth. Wow. That seems that seems a little rough. I'm, I imagine at some point they'll make uh, some sort of translation or or there'll be somebody who specifically makes arms that are meant to that way you don't have to translate, I guess. Yeah, so Mimic does volume. that, yeah. So Mimic does that for you already. So we we actually have one for Kuka, we actually have one for Stubli. Uh, uh, Motorman robots, you know. Oh, or another right. thing is that some robots out there take a regular CSV file. Oh, okay. And they're just Euler, um, Euler, basically, they're just Euler um, animation. So basically, they're like, you know, this arm is 30 degrees and the next arm is 40 degrees. So, you know, it's kind of like a Ford kinematics type mm-hmm. of um, feel. Okay. Man, this is a lot of this just went whoosh because uh, <laughs> I imagine Kelly, Kelly, you you probably understand a lot more of this than I do. I, I'm following along at least. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of running out of batteries here, yeah. so oh, I'm no. sorry. Oh, oh no, it's all right. No, 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 no. Uh, I'm gonna plug in. Yeah, I mean, I'm going back to my my college degree from 
well, too long ago about <laughs> computer animation to remember Euler space and stuff. Yeah. That was all since then I've been doing art side, like uh, 3D environments and stuff like that. So not a lot of animating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, so I... if you know a lot of math, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, you really well? Sorry, I had to take that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we hear you, all right. Uh, Kelly, I'm curious about your... Do you have any ideas? Like, does this is this percolating in anything for your... Oh. I know... You know, I know you're investigating this a little bit at home. I'm curious, is this anything that you could apply to, to um, some degree? Yeah, I could see this being used just all over the place. Like um, we we're talking earlier about doing the miniatures, um, hmm. being able to control it at a frame by frame um, scenario where, you know, it moves one frame of the film and waits for you to take the shot and then moves again. Um, I think that could be huge because that combined with the virtual production, being able to extend your set like well beyond anything and just have that 3D versus this little set that you're actually, you know, messing with physically. Um, that could be huge. Um, I, yeah, just a lot of things this could be useful for. Well, oh, one of the God. things that um, I was looking at too is uh, like theater applications, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. So in theater, with now a lot of actors and a lot of, uh, let's just say, yeah, actors don't want to be in the same space currently. Mm -hmm. So what if all of them have different, like, let's just say all of them are in a different room mm -hmm. and all of them have robots in them. Mm -hmm. But I want to put them in the same room together. Right. Yeah. Virtually. So if I move one robot in let's just say in in one space or at home, I I could literally move all robots at the same time. So they're all mm -hmm. in the same space. Sure. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I can imagine like there being a like a master one. Like if you're doing an actual theater, like a Broadway like theater stage. type thing. And you wanted to use the Broadway set instead of a virtual set. You could have one that's sitting on the stage that's doing the filming of that. Then your actors in separate rooms or whatever on like a green screen with their own arms. And then that would be composited live on top of the virtuals of the real set. So it looks like they're on the stage with each other. Um, that'd be one way to do it. I've seen a lot of broadcast people um, doing, they have their own virtual sets mm -hmm. like in a trailer. Um, so they'll you know drive the trailer out to some sporting event the anchor, the host, whoever is in that set on a um, LED wall or green screen, whatever. And then they're interviewing an athlete that's in the stadium that's standing there on a green screen and they just composite that onto the thing. But they just typically use a steady, just one shot camera for that mm -hmm. because they don't want to move around a whole lot. Sure. Um, but this way they could have camera movements um, and they would sync up because the camera that's in the trailer and the camera that's in the stadium are doing the exact same movement at the exact same time and it would all work. Wow. So yeah, there's can be so many uses for this. Yeah. 
Wow, that's pretty cool. I, and I like, I like as you you, you keep, exp- you know, we think we're talking about it and thinking about it. It's like, oh yeah, you could also do this. Oh yeah, you could do that. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty cool. I like, I always like hearing about these sort of newer newer technologies and ways of using, I guess, pre existing technology in new ways because like, it's just man, oh, I never thought of that. You know, it's, it's really fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's gonna be a lot of that. That someone's gonna come up with. They have something that they like to do in a you know, traditional workflow. They're looking to move to a virtual workflow, and they're like, "Well, I can't do my thing that I used to do before." And they see this, and like, "Oh, I can do it now, and all this other stuff." And like, yeah, it'll be. It's gonna set off some a lot of people to do some crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. Well, the nice thing about, like I said, I mean, it's. I would say the whole silver lining between COVID-19 and all the things that we're experiencing today is the fact that people are getting creative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People are pushing themselves to like, I need to work. I need to find a way to do something. Right. So it, push, it pushes a lot of people to think outside the box. You know, it's like, if I don't have a studio, what can I do? The ne- what's the next best thing? Oh, I got mm-hmm. a room in my house. Okay. What can mm-hmm. you do with a room in your house? Oh, I could put a green screen. I could put Unreal. And the nice thing with all these technologies out here right now is like, especially with Unreal, it's for free, right? Right. You can just download all this stuff. Um, and then, of course, when people say, well, I don't have a 3D program like Maya or anything like that. Well, there's Blender. Mm-hmm. You know? And people are, I, I swear, like, I used to use Blender back in the day and it was like the most, let's just say, hurting experience. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, well, then I recently picked up, you know, um blender they based on a lot of the artists that i know of and some architectures mm-hmm. our uh, architectural community are beginning to use that mm-hmm. and i'm shocked i'm just like wow this is this is a real professional piece of software yeah it has grown tremendously that's good to hear right on i like because yeah. sometimes sometimes you know free stuff like that tends to or it can kind of languish in the, you know, in the shadows a little bit because there's like little incentive, you know? So that's, that's good to hear that. I don't know. I'd, I'd just like to hear that it's so much more in a lot of these kind of professional tools are a lot more accessible than they used to be. The, you know, a lot of this, you can just goof around with at home for little to no cost. And that's, mm-hmm. that's really fun. I just, I'm, I'm excited to see what the next like, year or two um because i know a lot of this is so it's still so new it's still so fresh and people are just learning how to how what they can do with a lot of this stuff and so i feel like the next year or two is just gonna explode with all kinds of cool creativity mm-hmm. i mean next thing to, to tell you because robots will be i would say as much as i want to try to push it will be the future of a lot of the filmmakers mm-hmm. you know, things that you can do with robots, like how you can move them, how you can animate them, how you can actually make them move in miniature sets. It, it is pretty interesting what you can do creatively with with not just with one robot, but imagine if you have an army of these things. Yeah. You know, from lights, from moving sets. Now you can have a miniature that feels like a big, you know, theatrical release. It's, it's just, to me, it's just cool, right? It's yeah. Yeah. very exciting times. I mean, even in, even in standard filmmaking, there's like a lot of times they're limited by how the camera can move and how a person can move that camera. Mm-hmm. I got freed up a lot by 
you know, putting them on dollies or a big boom arm to get a little better shots and stuff. And this will be just another thing to give even more options for how that camera needs to move through that scene. It could like, um, we talked about how some of them can move really fast. You could have a camera that's often a, like you know, 10 feet away and then like zooms right up to the actor's face in you know a second or whatever, that that would be impossible to do with a person holding that camera. Right. But you know, this, uh, a robot arm could do that and you'll know it's stop in the right spot. So as long as the actors <laughs> doesn't move, it'll stop. Um, yeah. It just gives filmmakers more options. Yeah. Just imagine the like Jurassic park, right? Imagine yeah. if Jurassic park actually had this much technology back in the day. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would, it would have made a lot of compositions a lot easier. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, like I said, I mean, robots have been there for a long time, but, it's only been a, the past few years where everything kind of started melding together. It's like, oh, it's not just meant to do fast shots. It's not just meant to do a specialty shots. Mm -hmm. We could actually use the robot for all of our shoots, for yeah. all of our shots, not yeah. just a specialty one. Like most people would think like, oh, it's a motion capture arm or a motion control arm. Mm -hmm. You know, that's going to cost me a lot of money and we're just doing it for one shot. Now, what if I could use this for all my shots? Yeah. yeah. Is this uh, so? I know we've talked a lot about like the, the robot arm thing. Is this is this sort of um, I guess is this technology or, or platform? Is this applicable to other things like drones? Could yes. you okay? So anything animated, right? So sure. another thing that I've been exploring a lot lately is um, spider cams or uh, you know the, the cams that you see in football stadiums, the one on top. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's like on the wires. Yeah, yeah cable cams, basically cable mm -hmm. cam. One of the companies that um, that opened up my eye to to all of this is SpiderCam. SpiderCam, mm -hmm. I would say, shout out to them. They have some really, really cool technology behind what they can actually do with real-time cable cam systems. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, I can't say a lot due to NDA. Oh, sure, sure. But That's... let's just say that a lot can be controlled via software nowadays. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hmm, that's pretty cool. All right. Because, yeah, it would make sense to me that, like, if – um, because it's all just coordinates and, and degrees and such. So I guess that just seemed to be, like, the next logical step is that you could tell a little drone with a camera on it where it is in 3D space, and it can – fly up over there or cruise down there or follow somebody and um yeah that just seemed to kind of be like the next logical step for this mm -hmm. well the hard thing about drones right is that it it gives out air current <laughs> so if oh sure actually it becomes you know there's a bunch of wind and yeah all that stuff. so it's good for aerial shots but um cable cam systems are ultra quiet Sure. There's no sound in them. There's just like a wire coming to you. It's it's pretty interesting when you when you like look at this camera. It's like whoa, it's right in front of me already. It's 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 yeah. really cool. It's just it's fun to play with. So. Yeah, was, as soon as you said spider cam, I I looked it up and it's it's a lot more than what I expected. Like I, I I've seen the rig at, that they have like at a football stadium and stuff, but they they've got shots here of. At a, it looks like a live stage, um, stage production. Um, just a, different applications that I never would have 
thought about that it makes sense now that you see it but like before it was oh i don't know it's, it's always very eye-opening it's pretty cool let me see do we have any other question from youtube or anything no not at the moment i'm, I'm curious um about the past how did how did did you have like a, a history in robotics or anything to that that led to this connection no <laughs> oh <laughs> all. oh all right so, uh, i did a year of my work to study robotics say that again can you hear me? it's a little like little garbly so i actually dedicated a whole year of my my career i'm just studying robotics Oh wow! I dedicated a whole year just for the robotics part. Uh oh. That's all. Uh oh, all I think I think we're I think we're losing you, John. Do I start my feed? Uh oh. I think I think we might be losing you. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh oh, oh, oh no. okay, we'll give it just a sec this is pretty cool stuff huh kelly yeah i mean this is fun because we've spent a lot of time and all these things talking about you know not to not to sound negative to anyone we've had but like this is just a glimpse into something that we don't get to put our hands into a lot with at, at puget you know we work with just the computer Right. This is giving us a lot of other things, a lot of more to the industry. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. Let's see if... Are we back, John? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's a little bit. It's it's real real static. Yeah. Kind of kind of choppy. This this is what happens when you deal with. High-end technology, you get technical technical problems. You yeah. know it happens. <laughs> it's all right, um, but no, you, you hit on a good point there, Kelly. And because, um, like, I, I've been in assembly and stuff, I, I often was told what they were doing with it, kind of. But to see mm -hmm. to see more of like the ground, like in the trenches, I guess to to use a cliche. But yeah. um, it's it's I, that's probably my favorite part about doing this is learning and seeing how how these tools are actually being used. Yeah, for sure. And this is getting into a lot of the like, what's next? You know how how can we not just do a film, but what you know what other ways can we make a film? What other ways can we get whatever shot? You know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just opening the door to a lot of new things to experiment with. And I don't know. It's really cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm excited to see what the next year or two brings to just the creative space in general mm -hmm. films and animation and just every, every aspect of, of just content creation in, uh, in every way, uh, video games, movies, even uh, audio, you know, music and stuff is, is changing and exploding in such a cool way. Yeah. I feel like a lot of these changes we're seeing or are going to be seeing soon 
were already going to happen. They're mm -hmm. like they were in the future for all these different industries. Um, this just accelerated it dramatically. It went from well, that's an interesting technology we should keep an eye on. To can we use this right now? Like, can yeah. we make something work? Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's been really it's been fascinating to watch various industries. Well, yeah. I'm, I just I I think about the the progress that um, Matt Workman has mm -hmm. has made um, in just the past like year and a half. At first, it was just like goofy stuff, and now oh, uh, there we go. Hey, I like it better. Yeah, we're back. All right, we're yeah, Kelly and I were just that. That was weird. Oh, yeah. no, nah, it happens. No worries. Uh, Kelly and I were just talking about how how fascinating the future is going to be, and 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 the push for I suppose the necessity um, of of the advancements. And and uh, Kelly had mentioned that some of this stuff had already kind of been in the background, um, but now it's it's there's a lot of more, a lot more effort being put into exploring these different avenues. No, it's true. I mean, the, the hard part is really getting the developers out there, right? Mm -hmm. The developers, the animators, the, the people who really want, who can code to make this happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like that's the, you know, a lot of people in the film industry, or broadcast industry probably looked at robotic arms and like that could be cool someday and uh, might be fun or whatever. And then now they're at home and they're like, you know what? I'm gonna dedicate my time to figuring out this Unreal or figuring out like how can we get a, a robotic arm to work right now and then mm -hmm. keep working. So uh, yeah, I think it's we're seeing the future sooner than we expected because now we have a time and B the demand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's always been the hard part. Like I said, it's the, the fact that the demand was, wasn't as much of a demand back in the day mm -hmm. until, yeah. Until today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It went from a curiosity to a necessity almost. <laughs> Yeah, and and quickly. That's that's kind of that's kind of what's what's very almost shocking is how quickly uh, these various industries have pivoted to the necessity. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just what what was just like you were saying, just kind of a goof or a novelty six seven months ago is now like we have to do this. Mm -hmm. That's really neat. Yeah, anything automated-wise, you just need mm -hmm. something to to do a lot of your things without as much contact as with, pe with people, right? That's the mm -hmm. sad part, is just like we're kind of eliminating the, the human side of things, but... Yeah. But that's that's kind of cool too, though, because like uh, it was it was earlier this year. Um, I remember talking about how oh, we're, there was a lot of speculation that animation was going to be uh, was kind of going to take over a lot of content creation because you can do a lot of that remotely and stuff. And as as the the year has gone, we've we've starting to see more and more just creative ways of keeping people separate but still working together. Mm -hmm. And and it's it, man, it's just it's endlessly fascinating. I cannot it <laughs> every every. Every day, every time I do this, it, it's just 
eye-opening, mind-blowing. It is super cool. Yeah. Well, one of the, the things that I kind of want to do too, um, I'm still exploring about this, is um, concerts, right? Yeah. The sad part is that, you know, musicians can't can't play together anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am a musician myself, so um, I wanted to connect with people um, and play instruments online. Mm-hmm. But you know how hard that is? Yeah. <laughs> the technology on this is, is not there yet, but the latency, that's always the hard part. Is the oh, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. That'll be cool, too, to see how like virtual concerts and things um, progress, I suppose, how to keep, uh, I mean, that goes down a whole different rabbit hole of like, how do you keep people from restreaming a, a like a private concert or, or right. tickets and things like that and the dig- digital part of it all. But, um, you know, you got things like Travis Scott doing a concert in Fortnite. Yeah. You know, and like, or um, I can see too, a different thing, different applications too, like, um, like you were saying about stage production, having the different actors, um, the visual that I had was almost you could use the 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 LED wall sort of thing on the stage, and mm-hmm. everything's comped there, and you're almost watching like a live movie, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, and again, like because of the 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 cameras on the arm, or and it doesn't matter that everybody's separated, it's all still seamless. Everybody, you know, the scene moves exactly the same everybody's perspective is just right because it's all it's all a machine yeah there was a thing going around recently with um oprah interviewing obama and mm-hmm. they were on opposite sides of the country and they just um basically set up two versions of the set i think obama was green screened and they just put monitors where the other person would be sitting Oh. So that way they it looks like they're talking to each other and then as they comps together in the final thing it looks very natural but they're in completely different states wow yeah so uh one of the very first vr slash augmented reality technologies i started playing with was um so my background too was in broadcast so i played mm-hmm. with broadcast stuff back in the day was uh cnn i don't know if you remember cnn had virtual doubles Back I can't remember something about that, yeah. Oh, so every election season since like the year 2010, they created mm-hmm. the new technology in which it's volume capture. Okay. It literally mm-hmm. is someone in a different studio, like somewhere in there, like, I don't know, somewhere in Washington, D.C., and they're talking to someone in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Oh. But literally, they would beam someone up from Seattle to the Washington, D.C. office. And then mm-hmm. they look like they're holograms. So if you if you, if you just want to YouTube this thing out, um, cool. one of the very first projects I worked with, it, it's actually up on YouTube. Yeah, so it's like yeah. if you type in YouTube and go to like CNN virtual production or a hologram, you'll see it. It's pretty funny. Right. Doing that right? Oh wow! Okay, there's like Will I Am TV first. Uh, election Jessica Yellen was recorded as a hologram and beamed into the studio. That's a trip. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's one of the very first uh, virtual productions slash augmented reality. Let's just say this technology has been there forever, right? Right. Reality, virtual production. It's all been there since whenever. I mean, one of the very first um, game engines out there, which is a uh, CryEngine. 
mm-hmm. was doing this a long time ago. Problem is just accessibility. How much was CryEngine? And the fact right. is that how much was an LED screen? Yeah. It's just right now when things became like accessible, when people were like, oh my gosh. And when, of course, Unreal said, we're going to make this for free. Mm-hmm. So that's when that was... things kind of started. Yeah, that was, and I think that was a, a really smart move uh, on their part to do to do that to just to kind of give the tool out there and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. and the nice thing is that they're open source too. Oh, there's mm-hmm. another thing. So Mimic from Maya doesn't really just run on Maya; it's an open source engine. Okay. So you have the the tenacity and the, the time <laughs> to re-pluginize this to like a another three D program like a Dini or even Blender. All the code is up in GitHub. There you go. Cool. Right. I'm on. sure like some of the bigger studios, you know, um, Pixar, or DreamWorks, or whatever, they have the the resources to do that to their own thing. You yeah. know combine it into their own render engine or whatever they want to do. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's someone out there who would willing to take that challenge. Oh, yeah. for sure. Come Come on, on. Well. Do it, please. I mean, that's that's kind of how this all started, right? Was just yep. somebody decided like, you know what? I got some free time and I want to do this thing. So let's do it. Yep. So um, have you guys ever seen Bob and Dolly? Mm-hmm. So if you go to YouTube, just type in bot and dolly. So B-O-T and, and dolly. Do it. Actually do it. Bot and dolly. Oh, okay. Bot and dolly is Iris, world's most advanced robotic motion control camera system. Pretty much, yeah. So they created a... Um, a show or a, a, a small little event in which it's called Bot and Dolly, and it's um it's based on uh, a projection. So you'll okay. see a um, like lines and everything like it's a black and white video. Basically, yeah. what happened was Bot and Dolly was bought off by Google. All right. Their dream okay. was they always want to open source their systems to people, but when when Google bought it, it's like ah oh, we can't do that anymore. Right. So the guy from Autodesk Labs, his name was Evan. Uh, shout out to him. He decided to write one for Maya just because. Ah. It was his, you know, inspiration that he saw this piece of technology for the film world in which it got missing because all the tools that that were to control robots is mm-hmm. proprietary. Right. And it hurts. I mean, right. for me to to buy a program like, oh, I just bought a $40,000 robot. Yay, how am I going to control it? Oh, you need to buy another $20,000 piece of software. Right. Oh Is that per year? Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> For a year? Yeah. It's not just yeah, one I mean, and done? I don't know if you remember back in the day with visual effects. Uh, remember Flame? Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, or um, Da Vinci. Remember Da Vinci? Yeah, sure, sure. Oh, my gosh, Da Vinci before Black Magic. Uh, bought them out it used to be it cost like a million dollars yeah oh yeah um I, so i it used to be another I, I used to be a colorist back in the day too so i did a lot of little mini things but yeah so that used to cost a million dollars that's insane yeah some these software are crazy boxes for free right yeah wow <laughs> yeah, i think when i was in college maya was twenty five thousand. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I used That's to remember crazy. like Adobe products, right? Uh, oh yeah. I used to wait like every four years to update my program because yeah. you know that's a good five thousand dollar chunk of change right there. Oh yeah. And, yep. Yeah. So right on. And a shout out to open source and all that technology. And, yeah, uh, sure. You know, but yeah. Um, it is pretty funny, like I said, like how much is this all these softwares used to cost. Yeah. That's crazy. But when you're buying a robot, like I said, forty thousand dollars, yay! Okay, I got to pay another twenty grand on top of the software. <laughs> I need to make mounts for it, so it's a lot of the whole DIY stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and then uh, there's other, let's just say, other roboticists out there or other um, turnkey systems you can buy or rent only, but you're spending close to one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Plus the software itself that you have to pay yearly for maintenance. Yeah. So that's a lot of money. Versus I could go to eBay right now, look for a Kuka robot, and <laughs> it would cost me like 20 grand, 30 grand, right. 40 grand. And you're done. That's cool. And then yeah, you get Maya and then you download Maya and then you you know get our plugin for free. And then voila. <laughs> you can right. make a robot dance. Nice. Yeah. All right, so we are a little bit over our hour. Um, John, is there anything else you'd like to touch on? Any shout outs or anything you'd like to say to the audience before we go? Any plugs for anything? <laughs> well, what I could say to, to people is just keep on learning out there. Don't stay complacent. That's one thing I tell people is like, don't stay at your own little world. Try to expand, mm -hmm. learn new software, you know, That's learn good. new hardware. Just don't, just, just keep exploring and see what's, what's out there and be creative awesome well all right so thank you very much john for taking time out of your day and joining us kelly you as well thank you very much yeah. for uh, for joining us and the audience thank you as well um yeah and thank you puget sound for uh you know your yeah. computers are always awesome trust me i've used <laughs> systems so many times especially like uh doing like virtual production stuff oh, that's oh, good nice. to hear well, thank you. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, we do this every Wednesday and Friday, except for the next two weeks because we're taking, taking a holiday break. Uh, but Wednesdays, Fridays, 1 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Wednesdays, we bring in industry experts like John here to kind of talk about what they do and how they do it. And then Fridays, we have folks like oh, over there, Kelly, uh, <laughs> talking about kind of the, the more hardware-oriented side and kind of talk about the things that we get to test and play around with. Uh, internally here. So um, mark your calendars for that. Wednesdays, Fridays, 1 p.m. Pacific. And um, yeah, I guess that's it. We'll say goodbye. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Bye.